0: Well, we've come to it. We've come to the end of Inferno in our quick walk, our straight read through of the entire thing in my English language translation. Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough. This is the podcast Walking with Dante. I have a feeling you know that all already, but there you go. This is the podcast Walking with Dante, and we have come to the very back of Inferno. We are reading it straight through as a celebration of having slow walked through the entire thing, not to see it as a tangle of classical illusions, not to see it as a set of interpretive knots, but instead to see it for simply the story as it exists. I'm going to, as I said, use my English language translation, which you can find on my website in various pieces, markscarbro.com or walkingwithdante.com, passages broken out per slow walk episode. But really, don't look at that. Instead, just listen to this. Listen to the story as it's happening around you. I'm going to start with a little of the medieval Florentine. Always a little embarrassed by my pronunciation, but there you go. Going to start with a little of the medieval Florentine and then move right in to Cantos 32 all the way to the back, the end, Canto 34 of Inferno, finishing off this first part of Dante the Pilgrim's magnificent journey across the known universe. Si rime aspre e come si converrebbe al tristo buco sovra il qual pontan tutte l'altre rocce. Io premereri di mio concetto il succo più pienamente, ma pecchio non l'abo, no senza tema a dicermi. If I could write brutal and clucking verses such as would be appropriate for this sad hole on which point all the other rocks bear down, I would press out all the juice without stent from my conceptual framework. But since I don't have those verses, I bring myself to speak not without some hesitation. It's not something to be done in jest to describe the foundations of the entire universe, at least not for a tongue that cries mama and papa. But may those same ladies help my verses who helped Amphion encase Thebes so that what I say doesn't diverge from the facts themselves. Oh, you badly created things, the lowest of the low who crowd together in this place where it's almost too hard to speak... Would that you had just been born as sheep or goats. When we were way on down in the dark pit, well below the feet of the giants, and I was still staring back at that high wall, I heard someone say to me, watch where you put your foot down. Go on so you don't bumble on the heads of these miserable, weary brothers with your feet. So I turned around and saw out before me, and also beneath my feet, a lake of ice with a surface more like glass than water, so thick a cloudy veil was never made over the Austrian Danube in winter, nor over the Don under a freezing sky, as there was here. If Mount Tambora had fallen on it, or Pana, the ice wouldn't have cracked even out at its edge." As when frogs sit and croak, their snouts just out of the water during the season when rustic women often dream of gleaning, these sorrowful shades, pale in pallor, were crying, held in the ice up to the spot where the shade of shame appears, playing the music of storks with their teeth. Each one turned his face down, their mouths gave testimony to the bitter cold, and their eyes to their heart-deep grief. For a moment, I looked around on my own, then I glanced down at my feet and saw two so scrunched tight that the hair on their heads was knotted together. Tell me, I said, you guys whose chests are jammed against each other, who are you? These two craned back their necks so that when they'd raised their gaze to me, their eyes, until now only moistened along the rims, oozed tears down to their lips and froze there locking their faces in an icy vice more tightly than board with board has ever been held in a clamp. They were then so overwhelmed with rage that they started to knock their foreheads together like two goats. And another guy, who lost both his ears to the freezing cold, with his face still held down, said, "'You think you can see yourself mirrored in us?' If you want to know who these two are, the valley from which the Bicentillo flows belonged to their father Alberto and to them. They came out of one body. You can look all over Caina and not find a shade more worthy of being encased in this aspect. Not the one whose chest and shadow were run through with one thrust from the hand of Arthur, nor Focaccia nor this one here who shades me with his head and completely blocks my view. His name is Sassol Mascheroni. If you're a Tuscan, you know well enough who he was. And so that you won't force me to bang on anymore, be apprised that I'm Camicione de Pazzi. I'm waiting for Carlino to clear my name. After that, I saw a thousand faces turn purple by the cold. Thus, I still shiver at frozen Ford's and I always will. As we walked on towards the center, where all the weight bears in, and I was quaking with that eternal cold, whether what happened was willed or fated or destined, I don't know. In any event, passing on among the heads, I happened to kick one of them hard right in the face. Wailing, he called me out, "'Why'd you stomp on me?' Unless you came down here to exercise some vendetta about Montaperti, why even fool with me? And I said, my master Virgil, please wait a bit for now, because I want to clear up a doubt about this guy. Then we can hurry along as much as you want. My guide stopped, and I said to the guy who still cursed at me like an animal, who are you to be calling out others like this? Well, who are you to be going through Antenora?" he replied, bashing others in the cheeks. If I were alive, this would be too much to bear. Well, I am indeed alive, I replied, and if you give a hoot about fame, I can put your name in my notes. And he said to me, I'm greedy for just the opposite. Get out of here and quit bugging me. You have no clue how to flatter someone in this swamp. I grabbed him by the hair at the nape of his neck and said, "'Either you tell me your name, or you're not going to have a hair left on your head.' At which he said to me, "'You could scalp me, and I still won't tell you who I am, "'nor raise my head up to let you see me, "'even if you jump on my head a thousand times.' I'd already twisted his hair in my hand and pulled out more than one hank, "'even as he howled and willfully kept his eyes down, "'when some guy cried out, "'What's up, Boca?' "'Don't you make enough music by chattering your teeth with a howling to? "'What devil is tickling you?' "'That's it,' I said. "'I don't care if you speak another word, you damned traitor. "'To your utter shame, I will carry back the true news about you.' "'Go away,' he replied, "'and tell whatever you want.' But don't keep quiet if you do break out of here about the one who's got the ready tongue over there. He's blubbering about the French silver. I saw, you can say, the guy from Duera down where the sinners stay fresh on the ice. And if you're asked who else was down there right near you is the one from Beccaria who had his armored piece sliced into by the Florentines. I think Gianni de Soldanieri is a little farther on with Ganelon and Tebaldello, who opened Faenza while it slumbered. We'd already taken our leave of that guy when I saw two frozen together in one hole so close that the head of one was like a cap to the other. As a low, starving man gnaws on a piece of bread, the upper one's teeth were in the lower one, just where the brainstem meets the nape of the neck. Not unlike Tidius who gnawed on the severed head of Melanippus out of spite. This one munched on the bone and the other stuff. Oh, you who demonstrate in such a bestial way such hatred in the way you eat the other guy. Tell me why, I said, and let this be our agreement. If what you say shows truly your grievance against him, know that the both of you and his sin will get reimbursed by me back in the world above if that with which I speak doesn't go dry. Raising his mouth from his savage meal and wiping it on the hair of the head he'd been gnawing from behind, the sinner began, You wish me to renew the despairing sorrow that already presses down on my heart just by thinking about it even before I tell it? Well, if my words will be the seeds which become the fruits of infamy for the traitor that I munch, you'll see me cry and speak at the same time. I don't know who you are, nor in what fashion you've made your way down here, but sure enough, it seems to me you're a Florentine when I hear your voice. You've got to know that I was Count Ugolino, and that this one is Archbishop Ruggieri. Now I'll tell you why I'm his neighbor. That the final result of his evil reckonings, despite my trust in him, was that I was seized and put to death—there's no need to tell all that— But there's no way you could be able to learn how cruel my death was. Listen up and figure out if he wronged me. A little people in the mew that's now called by the name of hunger on account of me and in which others are yet to be shut up had already shown me through its slit several waxing and waning moons when I had a nightmare that tore open the veil of the future for me. This one appeared to be the master and the lord tracking the wolf and its cubs over the mountain that obscures Luca from the Pisans. Driving lean, eager, and trained dogs, he had Gualandi along with Sismondi and Lanfranchi arrayed out in front of him. After a short run, the father and his sons were worn out. It seemed to me that the flesh was torn from their haunches with razor-sharp fangs. When I woke up, A little before daylight, I heard the cries of my own sons, who were locked up with me, asking for some bread in their dreams. You're truly cruel if you aren't already suffering the things my heart was predicting for me. If this doesn't make you cry, what would... Then they woke up and the time approached when our meal was usually brought up to us. We were awfully afraid because of our dreams. That's when I heard the nails being driven into the door down at the base of that horrible tower. That's when I looked at the face of my children without saying a word. I didn't cry. I would turned into stone inside, but they cried. And my little Anselm said, You look so weird, father. What's up? Even then... I didn't cry, nor offer a reply all that day and the following night until the sun shone on the world again. The moment a few rays of light shone into that sorrowful cell, I could see my own face stamped in their four faces. I chewed on my hands out of grief, and they, thinking I did what I did because I wanted something to eat, stood up all at once and said, Father, we'd have a lot less pain if you just eat us. You clothed us in this miserable skin. You can peel it off. That's why, to spare them more grief, I calmed myself down. That day and the next, he didn't speak a word. Oh, hard earth, why did you not open wide to swallow us? After we'd gone to the fourth day, Gatto threw himself at my feet, saying, My father, why won't you help me? At that, he died. And as sure as you see me right now, I watched the other three fall, one by one, between the fifth and sixth days. At that point, Utterly blind, I started groping over the corpses and calling for them for two days, even though they were dead. That's when fasting had more power than grief. When he'd said this, with his eyes rolling in his head, he sank his teeth into the wretched skull and held it tight like a dog with a bone. Oh, Pisa, the utter disgrace for all those people who live in parts of that beautiful land where sea is heard. Since your neighbors are slow to lay hands on you, let the islands of Capraia and Gorgona move around and block up the mouth of the Arno and then drown every last one of you. Even if you thought that Count Ugolino took on the title of traitor for you because of those castles, you really shouldn't have put his children on such a cross." In their young years, Uguicione and Brigata remained innocent, you newfangled Thebes, as are the other two who are called out in this canto. We hiked farther on, out to the part of the ice sheet that so crudely enwraps another group of people. These faces weren't turned down, but craned up at us. Down there, Their tears prevented their tears. Their sorrow, which gets blocked up over their eyes, is then backed up inwardly to make their affliction worse. The first tears become a frozen knot, which then, like a crystal visor, fills up the cup under the brow with more tears. At this point, although my face, like a callus, had gone numb from the bitter cold and had no more feeling in it, it seemed as if I felt some definite wind. So I said... My master, who makes this wind move? Has not every bit of vapor been laid to rest down here? And Virgil said to me, You'll soon get to the spot where your own eyes will give you the answer for the source of these gusts. That's when one of the damned in the icy crust cried out to us, Oh, cruel souls, so totally cruel that you are damned to the last stop on the road. Lift these hard veils from my eyesight, so I can vent a little of the pain that seizes my heart, just a bit, before my tears freeze solid again. So I said to him, If you want me to help you, tell me who you are. If I don't ease your distress, may I be then sent down to the bottom of this glacier? At that, he replied, I'm Brother Albarigo, the one who gleaned the fruit from the Garden of Evil. Here I get reimbursed a date for each fig. Hey, I said to him, are you already dead? And he said to me, as to what's going on in my body in the world above, I have no idea. This circle called Ptolemaea has the advantage that often enough a soul falls into its depths before Atropos has pushed it off. And so that you might be more willing to shave off the tears frozen on my face, know this. The moment a soul has done the sort of treachery I did, its body comes under the control of a demon who can move it this way and that until the fullness of its time comes round. The soul then falls into this septic tank. It could be that the body of the soul wintering here behind me still moves around up there. You probably know him, even if you've just gotten down here. He's Mr. Brancatoria. Many years have elapsed since he got locked in down here. I believe, I said to him, that you're lying to me. There's no way Brancatoria is dead yet. He eats and drinks and sleeps and wears clothes. In the ditch above, he said, the one with the Malabranque where the pitch is boiling hot. Michael Zanki had not yet gotten there when this one left the demon in place on his own body as did one of his kinsmen who helped him with this treachery now stretch out your hand this way and open up my eyes i didn't do it for courtesy to him would be villainy anywhere else vexilla regis prodeunt inferni in front of us look straight up there my master virgil said and see if you can check him out As when a great fog exhales around you, or when our hemisphere is all night, a windmill may appear to be turning far out on the horizon, so I now seem to see just such a structure. Then, because of the wind, I took shelter behind my master, because there was no other cave to tuck inside. I was now, and I shudder to put this even into verse, at the place where the shades were fully covered up, showing through like Bits of straw through a pane of glass. Some were lying flat out, some standing straight up, one with his head on top, another with his feet on top, and others bent like bows, their faces to their toes. And when we'd finally walked far enough, it pleased my master to show me the creature who had once appeared so beautiful. He stepped aside, brought me to a stop, and said, Behold this, and behold the place where you must steel yourself with all your internal fortitude. How frozen and faint-hearted I became at that moment. Don't ask me, reader. I can't write it down because every known word would still not be enough. I didn't drop dead, but I certainly didn't remain alive. Think for yourself, if you've got enough imagination, what I'd become. Both dead and alive at once. The Emperor of the Kingdom of Sorrow was stuck in the ice to the middle of his chest. I would appear bigger next to a giant than a giant would stand beside one of his arms. See how enormous this whole place must be for one part like that to fit into it. If he was once as beautiful as he is beastly now, this one who dared to raise an eyebrow to his maker, he may well be the source of all woe how grand the sheer marvel I felt when I saw the three faces on his head? One was in front of a million red, and the other two were set so that one was over each of his shoulders, with all of them fused together at the top of his head. The face on the right was a whitish yellow, and the face on the left was darker, sort of like the people who live beyond the cataracts of the Nile. Under each of Satan's faces were two grandiose wings, big enough that they fitted a giant bird like this. I, I never saw any sails that big catch the ocean wind. They didn't have any feathers, but look, looked like those of a bat. He was fanning them rather deliberately so that three separate winds moved away from him. That's why Cockatus was completely frozen over. He cried from his six eyes, and over his three chins the tears dripped down with his bloody slobber. In each mouth, he chomped on a sinner with his teeth, like he was beating flax. That's how he kept those three in like-mannered torment. When it came to the one in front, that gnawing was nothing compared to the clawing, which meant that at times the skin was utterly flayed off of his spine. The soul up there who gets the grandest punishment, my master Virgil said, is Judas Iscariot. He's got his head stuck inside. His legs kick outside. Concerning the other two with their heads hanging down, the one who's dangling out of the black muzzle is Brutus. Look how he thrashes about but doesn't utter a word. The other is Cassius with his muscular arms. But night is rising again and it's time for us to take our leave. For we've seen all there is to see. So, to do as he wished, I took a hold of him around his neck. He figured out the timing and the distance just so that when the wings were at their full open span, he got a grip on those hairy obliques. From clump of hair to clump of hair, he climbed down between the thick pelt and the frozen crust. When we got down to the spot where the femur turns in its socket, right at the widest spot of the hips, my leader, Virgil, already worn out, but with a great deal of effort, brought his head around to where his thighs had been and gripped the fur like a man climbing upward, so that I believed we must be going back to hell again. Hold tight, because it's by stairs like these, my master said, gasping for breath like an exhausted guy, that we've got to take our departure from such all-encompassing evil." After that, he got out to a little hole in the rock, set me down on its rim, and with careful footing, brought himself over to me. I lifted my eyes, believing I'd see Lucifer. Just as I left him, instead, I saw his legs were sticking up above me. Well, if I became rattled like that, then let the dullards out of there think a bit about the point I just passed. "'Get up on your feet,' my master said. "'The way's long. The road's rough.' Meanwhile, the sun is already riding in the middle of the third hour. That place where we were, it was no palatial hall. It was more like a natural cellar with a rugged floor and very little light. My master, before I pull myself up by the roots from this abyss, I said when I got up, do me a little favor by clearing up my doubts. Where's the glacial sheet?' and how did that one get stuck upside down right there, and how in just a few hours did the sun make its way so quickly through the whole day? And Virgil said to me, you imagine that you're still on the other side of the center, where I took hold of the pelt of the worm that ruins the middle of the world. You were indeed on that side as long as I was descending, but when I turned about you pass the point at which the weights bear down from every point. Now you're beneath the hemisphere that stands in opposition to the great landmass. Under the zenith of that hemisphere, the man was born who lived without sin. Your feet are standing on the little disk that forms the other side of Judaica. Here it's morning when it's evening there, and that one whose pelt became a ladder for us is in exactly the same spot as he was before. On this part of the earth, he fell down from heaven. The land that used to stand above us veiled itself in water out of fear of him and came to our hemisphere. And perhaps to flee from him, the land which rises up above us rushed upwards and created this vast empty space. As far as you can get from Beelzebub, stretching as deep as his tomb... There's a spot not known by sight, but only by sound, of a little stream that descends there in the narrow channel. It's cut into the rock. It flows down its gentle slope. My guide and I made our way up this hidden passage to return to the world of light without thinking for a moment about resting. We made our way, he first, I second, all the way until I could see through a round opening some of the beauty that the heavens hold. And so we walked out to see the stars once again. Lo duca e io per quel cammino ascosso intramo a ritornar nel chiaro mondo e senza cura ave d'alcun riposo salimo su, el primo E io secondo tanto lividi vidi la cose belle che porta al ciel per un pertugio tondo e quindi usimo a riveder le stelle Well the end of it gave me chills to walk out and see the stars I am so I was reading it I could feel my body I in motion to that climb out. And then the stars and the chills. It's the end of Inferno. And we are getting ready to pass on to Purgatorio in this podcast. But first, I want to have two more episodes just dealing with the Inferno. I want to have a grand sum up of Inferno. And then I want to have an episode in which I can talk to you about, well, some of the things you missed. Some of the things you might want to go back and think about. Some of the things that we couldn't cover in this podcast. Some ways that you can even further your understanding of Inferno and deepen your appreciation of the poem that we have been working on for ever so long. And then we'll be ready to start up the great mountain where the souls make themselves clean. I can't wait for that climb. Just a little bit more on Inferno, on Walking with Dante. I'm Mark Skurbro. Let's keep going going.